When I was a little boy, I heard the saying, it is better to give than to receive. And it's been my experience in life that the more I give, the more I pour into people, the more I pour into my community and into the society that that I'm a part of, the more I receive. And it's been joy. It's been a blessing to me and even a gift when I give to others. And that's truly the experience that we have whenever we decide that no matter what comes our way, we are going to be generous with our time, with our talents, with our gifts, and even with our money. Today's conversation is with Ken Link. And we're going to talk about how he went from being an addict and being selfish to pouring in and giving back and helping other people who struggled with addictions and struggle with addictions to become sober and to give back to their community as well. It's a wonderful conversation and I'm sure that you're going to derive lots of value from it. Thank you so much for your time and for listening today. Welcome to the podcast, Stories from Port St. Lucie, Florida. I am your host, Jorge Coxach. This podcast is dedicated to telling the stories of the people, the movements, the places, and the businesses that make Port St. Lucie feel like a small town, despite the fact that it's one of the fastest growing cities in all of the United States of America. In this podcast, You will hear people's stories of how they started businesses. You will hear them talk about their lives and what drives them to do what they do to form the bustling, thriving community that is our town here in Port St. Lucie. My name is Ken Link. I am a owner and founder of Tribe Intensive. LLC. It is in Jensen Beach, Florida, on Jensen Beach Boulevard. Uh, it is a drug and alcohol treatment facility aftercare program. The Tribe Intensive. So when I first heard the name, I thought it was a gym. <laughs> Did you really? There's been a few people that have stopped by the, the office and thought it was a gym. Yeah. So so wh- why, why Tribe Intensive? What led you to that name? Well, I can't take uh, complete credit for that. That's actually my business partner that thought up that name. He was listening to a uh, Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. And Joe Rogan was talking about your tribe and how important it is uh, Mm. in in life. And that kind of rang true for him. Uh, Tommy McGuire, he's my business partner. He's the one that thought up the name, the logo. Um, Tribe Intensive. I I love that. Um, And and, and there's there's certainly a need for tribe... um, in terms of rehabilitation, you know, um, you've heard it takes a village to raise a, a child and yeah. the village would be a tribe to an extent. Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we have the definition on our wall at the, uh, at the center. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't name it word for word, but it goes something like, uh, people of the same backgrounds, uh, trying to achieve the same goal. So, I mean, yeah. that's basically the gist of what we do. I mean, we're all from the, the same background really. And we're, we're trying to, you know, achieve the same goal, which is long-lasting sobriety, and yeah. and the 
the name tribe i thought it was just absolutely perfect because we were we were thinking about a whole different name when we first started and then one night he just texted me out of nowhere with the logo with the name Mm. and it was just it it was perfect yeah it's uh and i've over the past couple years i've seen that tribe mentality and you see it hashtagged on a lot of stuff and that's i think it's as we've gone on in time like especially over the last couple years you realize that how important it is to have at least a small group around you that you can trust and 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 that love you and that will help you through anything and when we started this thing we we wanted that we wanted that small family environment an environment that fostered that community in people you know because a lot of people come in broken and they don't they don't have that so. Yeah, they come from not having the support that they need. Right. And especially when it comes to rehabilitation, you need to have a support system in order to to be able to, to come out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so you said that you come from the same background. Uh, what's the background? The background, very simply put, is, you know, we're all people that struggle with the same thing. So yeah. we've yeah. been through, you know, the dark. we've been into the darkest places right. uh, that humans can go, really. Um, Hmm. and we're coming out of that trying for the same thing. So the background is very simply put addiction and or or alcoholism, and we're trying to climb our way out of that hole that we dug ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very difficult place to be. And it, and it certainly, there's a hopelessness attached to it. How do you find the people that, that, that come to you? Well, we find them a number of different ways. They're like I said, we are a aftercare program, so there is a whole nother step to addiction recovery, treatment-wise at least. Um, someone would initially reach out to a, a detox or a residential treatment facility. I see. And that is where we kind of partner with those facilities in order to uh, find the clients for our level of care. Right. Um, sometimes, obviously, I come from a background of using drugs and alcohol. So mm. in those travels, you, you meet other alcoholics and addicts yeah. who are, um, you know, maybe caught up in the throes of addiction. And yeah. eventually they are going to seek help. They are going to, I mean, they, there's a phrase in the, in the program where, you know, jails, institutions, or death. Those are the outcomes yeah. of, of alcoholism yeah. or addiction. And, yeah, mercy. you know, hopefully that person reaches out to someone like me. There's mm. thousands of people just like me doing the same thing all across the United States. I mean, yeah. and, and the hope is that those people will reach out to one of us um, or their family or, or, or anyone or stumble into an AA meeting or a, mm. an NA meeting uh, and mm. they find that help that they need. Um, but in order to break the physical addiction, they would go to a, a detox or a residential care program and yeah. then that's where we eventually, you know, I, I'll go to one of those facilities, I'll sit down with the person, tell right. them about Tribe Intensive, maybe if it's a fit for them or not, and they make they ultimately make the decision. Yeah, to, to join to join your tribe. Yes, or, or make a decision to join somewhere else, and that's yeah. fine too. But hopefully, yeah. they make the decision to join tribe. Yeah, um, and then and then get the recovery that they absolutely. need. Absolutely, absolutely. How many um, people have gone through your care? Uh, right now, we're standing at, I believe, just under 500 people have come through our, our doors. 500 people, and these are all people that have gone through the process or yes. in the process? Well, have gone through the process in any form. So that's a that's a real-time number on how many people have walked through those doors and have done an intake with us. Um, now, that's not every single person hasn't recovered, but we have had numerous, numerous uh, beautiful recovery stories that have come yeah. through there. How, and that's you, since we opened our doors in May 2019. Hasn't even been that long, and you've already seen 500 people. Yes, absolutely. 
that that means that there's a big need for it here. Oh, there's there's a huge need for it all across the U.S. I mean, if you're looking at the stats over the last year, uh, addic- addiction overdoses, uh, the overdoses resulting in death have risen 20,000. I mean, that's from 70,000 to 90,000. That's a big number. And that's a lot of people. Wow. In, in Florida or in the U.S.? No, that's the U.S. I don't know Florida's yeah, numbers, yeah, but yeah. that's, yes. Locally, there is a need for it. I right. know that. We get calls every day from people locally that need help. Yeah. Um, and, and we're, we're uh, grateful to be able to help them. Right. Right. Um, how does the program actually, like, like, what are the steps, say? Well, the steps of the program are very simple. You would call our line. Um, or, or a detox would put you in touch with us. Um, either I would come visit you at a detox or yeah. say you just call our line. You would do an intake with someone over the right. phone. It's a, well, you would do a pre-assessment to just see if you're a fit sure. for our program. Um, if it's deemed you're a fit through our clinical team, then you'll, you'll be allowed intake into the program. Right. Um, if you're, say, still detoxing, you wouldn't mm. be able to come to a program like us. You would need to go right. to that first step. So that's right. what we're kind of doing that pre-assessment for just to see if you're a fit for us or a fit for someone else yeah um and then once you do that you would do an intake with us it's a a little bit of a process Mm. about an hour and a half long Mm -hmm. um where that's pretty much your entire background we go through everything yeah and that's to kind of give our clinicians the best gauge on what exactly they're dealing with Mm. in in your specific case Hmm. now when you finish that intake you'd meet with your therapist you'd come into our facility actual in person with the therapist yeah you go over, you know, pretty much your your whole life again with them um, in that initial uh, interview with them, and right. they kind of base their, you know, the future on how to deal with you in 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 your in clinical terms. Right. Um, what the best plan of attack for you is in your own mm-hmm. personal recovery, your own treatment plan. Yeah. And then once you complete that, um, you know, you would come to group with us. I mean, it's a, there's varying levels of care. So we offer day night treatment, which is Mm. from nine in the morning to two in the afternoon. We offer IOP, which is nine in the morning to 12 in the afternoon. And then we offer night IOP from six to 9 PM. IOP. Intensive outpatient. Yeah. Okay. And then day night treatment is just a a higher level of care where you're getting more Mm. clinical hours. Mm. So initially someone will come in usually at that day night treatment where they're there from nine to two just gives them more clinical hours, more clinical time, more groups, um, more accountability. Yeah. And then they would move after a certain period of time, um, which is kind of decided between the clinical team and the client themselves. Mm. Uh, after that period of time of the day-night treatment, they would drop to intensive outpatient. It's a gradual step-down process. So yeah. day-night treatment, intensive outpatient, then outpatient. Outpatient is when you only meet once a month with the therapist. Yeah. So as you move along in your recovery, at that point you may have five, six months of recovery. Yeah. So you're you're pretty much there. You just gotta kinda be, your, your hand needs to be held a little bit yeah. more. Um, and, and that's just kind of like follow up. So you're meeting with your therapist more on a comfortability level, just yeah. sharing where you're at in your recovery, stuff like that. And then eventually you're gonna graduate from our program yeah. and hopefully be in a situation where you've rejoined your family um, mm. You know, you're starting to work again. You're you're mm. maybe getting your own place because we do have a housing component as well, where people will live really? uh, on property as well. Absolutely, yes. Mm. So we offer that transitional housing as well. Yeah. That's, so hopefully, that's at that good. point of outpatient, you're you're moving on to your own housing. You're self-sufficient. Right. That's the that's the grand goal of all that we do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you do job training and? 
Well, we don't do that job kind of training thing. per se. So what we do when someone comes in, I'll, I'll kind of gauge where they're at. Are you ready to work? If yeah. you're, they're coming in at a day-night treatment, um, at that that five hours a day of care, usually they're they're not particularly ready for work. I right. mean, they're coming right out of a detox residential facility. Mm. They're still kind of gathering their bearings. Yeah, we'll give them that two-week period where they're, you know, they're they're still, you know, getting their wits about them. You know? Right. So right. after that period's up, we will start talking to them about. Do you have a resume? Can we help you build one? Mm. What type of work do you think you'd be into? Right. And then, you know, I've been in this area for quite some time. I know a lot of people in this area. I would yeah. love to hook these people up with jobs. So I, yeah. I put my feelers out there. I find them, you know, initial work or initial interviews, and I get them at least to, to that first step. Whatever yeah. we can do, get them interview clothes, get them, uh, wow. you know, anything that they may need. Yeah. For, that, for that first step. I, I love seeing people mm. taking the initiative. So if they're doing whatever they can to get that get that next step done, I'll do whatever I can to help them. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that you're, you're not just uh, helping them with the traditional help and the support, uh, but you're also helping them in the process afterwards, uh, getting, getting the job, landing the interview, being yeah. prepared for that. That's very good. Um, and, and it's good that to, to help somebody through that. Now, you mentioned that the people that are coming to you are not work ready, which means that in some cases, which means that that they're coming from a very from a very difficult position. They've hit bottom yes. um, before they've come to you. Oh, yes. These are very intense cases. Yes. Some of them are, are wildly intense. I mean, mm. We've had cases where people are losing their children. They're in the process of losing their children wow. permanently. Wow. I mean, yeah. this is this is very serious stuff we're dealing with. I mean, it, it can be, and it and it takes everything out of the mental of the person. Right. I mean, they are at the end of their rope, right. essentially. So it is a build-up process. I mean, mm. we were speaking before the the podcast and just building the morale of the person back mm. up. You know, their spirit, mm. renewing their spirit is mm. the biggest part. And that's what you'll see in a lot of what we do at Tribe Intensive, mm -hmm. a lot of fun activities. Um, and that's to build the spirit, you know? It's not all mundane. Yeah. You don't need to be negative all the time. We're right. trying to build positivity in people, and I think that's wildly important in what we of do. Of course. Wildly important. Of course. Um, what are some of the activities that you do? Well, I know that um, you're into baseball. No, yeah, that's a personal. That's for me personally, in my own personal recovery, I love doing that stuff. Um, yeah. But some people don't like sports, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, we've done activities where we've we've had everyone in the community come out that would like to come out. We offer right. prizes to do uh, bingo. We've mm -hmm. had bingo nights mm -hmm. at the center. Um, we've done. Uh, we've done different activities where you know volleyball, wiffle ball. We've yeah, done. Yeah. All that type of stuff. Whatever we can do to build right. that morale. The, the kayaking, group mm -hmm. kayaking. Um, we have a we're part of a boat club. We take them out on the boat. Yeah. Take them, you know, take them out on the inlet. Wow. Um, take them to the sandbar. All that different type of stuff that just gives yeah. them something to look forward to. Because when yeah, I was in my sure. own personal recovery in the beginning, what was important to me was giving me something to look forward to. So when I came to Sunday, I was looking forward to a certain meeting on Monday. Or mm. when I got past Monday, I was looking mm. forward to basketball on Wednesdays. Yeah. When I got done basketball on Wednesdays, I was looking forward to the meeting on Thursdays. And when I got done Thursday, I was looking for looking forward to Sunday baseball. Yeah. So every single time I gave myself that that little glimmer of hope to look forward to the next thing. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do at Tribe, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, you gave them 
something that they can get excited about. And exactly. This is something interesting because it's not just for perhaps uh, addiction recovery or for um, recall, recovering from, from alcoholism, um, but it's also in life. Like if you don't have something that you're looking forward to for the day or for your week, even if you're not an addict or, or have not been struggling with addiction, I should say, um, you should have something you're looking forward to. And yeah. If you're not, you should you should look for something. Absolutely. I mean, we're doing the same. We're doing the same. I mean, I live in a uh, older people development in uh, in Port St. Lucie. Uh, we're, we're recently. Yeah. We're, well, we're going to be moving shortly, but I see them every night doing their activities, yeah. bingo yeah. nights, stuff like that. We do that too. We're just we're the same as anyone else in the community. We're just right. trying to raise our spirits just like anyone else. So right. we've had community pumpkin carving. We've we've done that outside our center. I mean, you drive by right. our center on one of these nights and our parking lot's full of people just having fun. Right. Trivia night, right. we've done that. Prize, like local businesses, gift cards, we give them out for winning the trivia night. The pumpkin carving was a beautiful thing, watching everyone carve pumpkins, laughing mm-hmm. like kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's to see that is is a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's people that have come into us completely broken. So that it, wow. it's really cool to watch. Wow. Wow. That And, and, and I love the perspective of uh, giving them something to look forward to and getting them plugged into the community in, in, you know, and breaking that stigma to an extent, you know, because there is that stigma attached to a person that is struggling with an addiction. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's always, uh, there's always been a stigma. Um, I remember, Mm. My parents, even when I when I came out that I was addicted, you know, when I when I when it finally broke mm. that I was struggling with a problem, I, I know that they struggled with it. They, mm. how could this happen, you know? Because yeah. I come from a good upbringing. My parents are beautiful people. They yeah. they worked hard. They instilled all that in me. Right. Um, I was a good kid. I got good grades for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I played sports. There was no real identifying factor on why I would become addicted, right. but I did nevertheless. So right. it was. I think people struggle with it because they don't want people to judge them. And, and the judgment is there from people still, but I think it's breaking a little bit. I mm. think that people are understanding that this can happen to anyone. I mean, it is, they say one in five people know someone that is directly, uh, hmm. res, that is directly affected by addiction or alcoholism. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of people. One in five people. That's a lot of people. Is a lot of people. That's, that's millions. Millions. People. I mean, we're dealing yeah. with millions, a million people seek treatment every day so it's it's a it's a lot of people wow. are seeking this a lot of people are struggling with this so mm-hmm. it's very important to to kind of let down that stigma try and try and talk with someone that, that's addicted i mean it's if you get with these people and talk with mm-hmm. them in a real conversation setting they're they're beautiful people they want the same mm-hmm. things as you do and they want to the beautiful aspect of people that struggle with addiction and alcoholism is most of them seek to help others so really? it's that altruistic mm. uh embedded in them where they've been helped by someone they want to give it back so it's kind of like that um uh what is that that term uh, paying think, it forward. paying it forward exactly yeah. it's kind of like that pay it forward aspect where mm. you've been helped now you want to help someone else and in turn that makes the world a better place yeah. so i find that with a lot of addicts and alcoholics that they they want to give it back as well yeah yeah that that makes sense. Um, I, I certainly see how that. I've been benefited. I've been helped. Now I want to help other people who have perhaps been through what I've been through or are in the situation that I was in. Um, what do you think propels them to do that? Is it just is it just the fact that somebody helped them, or is it something deeper? I think it is. Once you once you find out that someone is there, because addicts and alcoholics, I feel like we've been 
in an environment where all of our personal relationships are based off of mm. taking, mm. taking or yeah. the people around us want to take from us. So mm. all those relationships, whether it's drugs, alcohol, money, anything that they can get from us or anything that we can get from them. Mm. So it's a very selfish lifestyle. So once we yeah. are shown the light of this beautiful life where someone is giving to us without expectation on anything in return, mm. Once we mm. realize that that's an actual thing, yeah. we want some more of that. We yeah. want to give that back. We want to be a part of that because yeah. we've been a part of the other side so long. You know, yeah. I, I equate it to this. When I was addicted, it's like an ATM. I looked at the world as my own personal ATM. I took, right. took, took, right. withdrawal, withdrawal, withdrawal wow. until I was negative $20,000, you know, mm. or negative whatever. I look at recovery as I got to, now I have to repay that. Now I have to deposit, deposit, deposit mm. into this world. Whatever I can do to deposit and even out that number, I don't know if I'll ever get even, but I'm going to try my best, you know? And I think a lot of people are like that, a lot mm. of people. I've met some beautiful people in this, and they're, they're all trying to help each other yeah. without any hope of gaining something in return, in return. you know? Huh. Wow. I, I, I like the idea of, of how when somebody is poured into, it's that, that initial love that spurs on the desire to show it back. Absolutely. Um, and, and we've seen that. I mean, the Bible talks about that, you know, how we love God because he loved us first. Absolutely. Now there's, of course, in the, in the program of recovery, there's huge God overtones, undertones, whatever you may mm -hmm. call it. Um, there's a strong, strong basis in, in faith. And it's not Why so much, that is? and it's not so much God. It's a higher power and yeah. they stress that yeah. because a lot of people have problems with God when they come into this this mm. thing of recovery have mercy. Um, now I I do not have that issue I, um, I have a strong relationship with God but I believe that the reason for that is that what is what is a relationship with God you have to be communicating you right. have to you have right. to keep that communication up mm. and that people come into us seriously broken and that's because that communication has been cut off right you know you've been living a selfish life and a selfish life is not a life of God so mm. it's a very when people come to us they're they're they don't know it but I think that they're searching for that that mm. that that loving relationship with a higher power yeah of course so of course um, and and it's it's deep it's intrinsic absolutely yeah um, so, so tell me a little bit about how, how you ended up working in this um, all together. So the way I got involved in this field is I had been to treatment a few times. Um, I liked the relationships I was building with people that, in the treatment field. Um, they showed me a lot of love. They showed me a lot of compassion. Uh, there, like I said earlier in the podcast, that there's thousands of people just like me doing this across the United States, and they're all good people. So I met a lot of people like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and it drove me to want to get involved in any way that I could. Now, in early recovery, it's it's hard to get a job in this field because typically right. they like you to have some sobriety time. They want you to have – because it is a, a high-stress job where, yeah. you know, you're around addiction a Triggers. lot. You may be yeah. around drugs. You may be around alcohol. So it's, it's a little bit tough to hire someone that is early in recovery. Mm. However, someone took a shot on me early in my recovery this yeah. time, and I was hired at a local treatment center. Um, and they they brought me on. I began my – my uh, travels in that as a as a behavioral health technician. Yeah. So I was with the clients day in day out, transporting them, things right. of the like, administering meds. Um, 
just kind of observing and reporting on the client's behavior, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then I eventually was handed the alumni program at this treatment facility. And when I yeah. was handed that program to kind of develop it out, I learned that I loved that job. I, yeah. I absolutely yeah. loved being involved in the fun aspect of it. I liked right. being with the, the clients in those activities that were planned. We did stuff in appreciation of local law enforcement. We did yeah. uh, clothes drives for local um, you know, uh, homeless agencies. I mean, local nonprofits we worked with. And to right. see the clients right. come together to provide for people that didn't have anything when they themselves didn't have anything was a beautiful thing to me as well. Yeah. So to see the giving, that's what we were talking about earlier, right. to see the giving in these people when they in them, they themselves didn't have much to give. Mm. I mean, it was it's awesome. Mm. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's interesting and, that you would yeah. say that, that the, see the giving when they didn't have much themselves. And, I, and notice that, that there is, um, the heart is the heart, right? But I, I've noticed that there is this, this trend. Um, and those who don't have tend to be very generous. Why do you think that that is? I think that they understand what it is to struggle. I think that they, yeah. as, as someone who lived on the street for numerous months because I chose that life, I chose really? that life through my addiction, mm. to, ha to not have and to, to struggle is, it brings you to a place of, of humbleness you know you understand what it is to be in that and you want mm. to even give a glimmer of hope to someone mm. that is struggling like that and even if it is just a clean shirt to put on their back if it's I always wow. equate it to this people used to give me money on the street when I begged for money mm. when I approach someone on the street and, and you will see them in Port St. Lucie in different yeah. areas they people that are down on their luck or maybe they even have a drug or alcohol addiction mm. and that's probably mm. the case to be honest I don't ever think of it as my $5 is going to alcohol or drugs. My $5 is going to fill their belly, hopefully, you know. Mm -hmm. That's my $5 that's going to feed them tonight, right. you know. And I don't like to get hung up on the details. I just give because someone gave to me, hmm. you know. I, I just give because someone gave to me. Wow. And I think that's very important to remember because there are... When we come into this early recovery thing, I'm talking for addicts and alcoholics, mm. someone's there to help us. You know, someone's yeah. there to help us. It's up to us to find them. And when it's our turn to give it back, mm. you have to do everything you can. Now, when I, my job is a, obviously I run a for-profit business helping people. Right. But at the same time, who is taking them to their appointments after hours? Who is yeah. taking them to the grocery store because they need groceries? Who is taking right. them to, um, you know, to a job interview after hours? Or who is taking them yeah. to the airport when we don't need to do that? You know, it's, I, I like to do that because I get to have the conversations with the clients that I, that, sure. that brings me closer to them. I'm doing something for them that was done for me, wow. you know, very simply put. So, I mean, there's countless examples of that. Um, but that's basically the gist of it. And I think mm. that brings me closer to my God as well. So yeah. it helps me in turn. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and it, certainly you giving to them and you blessing them, you share in, in ministry. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I'm wondering, since you brought up, you know, you, li you, live, you said you lived on the street yes. um, for some time. Um, and I've heard reports that within the homeless community, there is a lot of altruistic undertones even within the people that are struggling. 100%. Um, did you see that? Um, yes, I, I, I saw that a lot. So there was, um, there is a, 
well, let's just say there is obviously a cutthroat aspect to it um, on the street. There, there is very much so that. Right. But at the same time, there is a sense of community. Really? Exactly. Huh. Absolutely. There is a sense of community for those that you grow close with on the street, and you'll band together to, to make things work, right. essentially, right. Um, in many different ways. So, I mean, there's, you know, if you see someone struggling, you might give them what someone gave you that day. So if someone mm. gives me a jacket mm. and I'm not cold, I have a jacket. If I see someone that's cold, I'll give them that jacket, you know. Mm. And that's just... I feel like that's just that sense of community. If you were yeah. if you were plunged into any environment like that, yeah. um, you're gonna tend to to flock to the same people as you. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I haven't seen too many um, struggling in that department in, in that area in that in that category. I guess um, here in Port St. Lucie. Right. No. Yes. Um, but but I have seen it around and, and and nearby. What do you think we can do whenever we see somebody that is? that is perhaps living on the street. Um, well, I think the biggest thing is to show that you care and just be the, there's a lot of negativity. When you're on the yeah. street, there's a, yeah. plenty of people that will walk by and say, get a job, loser. Really? You know, get a job, loser. There's plenty of jobs. And it's very simply this. I, I'm stuck in the throes of addiction or alcoholism. Yeah. Nobody is hiring me right now. Right. I am literally searching for my next fix. I mm. cannot concentrate on anything even my own personal hygiene. So who's going to yeah. hire me right now? And yeah. that's the bottom line of it. So show that person some compassion. It's, mm. it's, it's very simple. I, I mean, mm. be, be that extending arm to them. I mean, if the biggest thing with the homeless community, I believe, is that the resources are not there for them to mm. get the help that they need. Yeah. Now, a number of times you'll find that a homeless person is usually someone without resources so they yeah they maybe don't have insurance they maybe don't have the ability to to get into housing as easily or they mm. just don't know the resources are there for them mm. um when i was out there i didn't know that they had certain housing developments that would have housed me yeah um yeah so i i mean it's very important and i remember having a police officer that would elect to not put me in jail for trespassing. He would always yeah. offer to take me to the hospital. He would mm. always offer that. He would always, always offer that. So I think that that's very important to have people like that, that will yeah. be the outreach that is needed. And there's plenty of mm. groups that do that across this area. Mm -hmm. um, but even as private citizens, you can do that. Just, hey, I, I you know, you see a, a homeless person every, every day on your way to work, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you maybe go home at night and research like what hospitals in the area will take him in and yeah. maybe give them their card when you see him the next time. Hey, there's help just to know that. Cause I remember getting to a point where I wanted the help. Maybe yeah. not that day, maybe not yeah. the next day, but eventually I came to the point where I wanted that help. Hmm. And that business card in my pocket was everything to me. So then I reached out and got the help that I needed, but you know, be that hand, you know, be the, yeah. the helping hand. Yeah. Show some compassion. Show compassion to people that, that you see. Yes. And, and so I'm wondering, you, you were in that situation yourself. That's how you Absolutely. end up um, even working in this in this field. Um, you felt the compassion that the people had towards you um, and then wanted to pay that forward. What what eventually happened in your life to to lead you out of it? For, for you to say, you know what? not another day well i, I think it was a uh, it's very hard to explain i just had reached the end of my rope physically mentally emotionally 
It was when everything kind of came to a head. So when I lost every bit of spirituality I had, mm. when I had lost every bit of mental fortitude that I had, yeah. when I had lost every bit of physical fortitude that I had as well, that is when I broke pretty much mm. and, and sought the help. Mm. Um, the event that took place, I sought treatment. I ended up leaving the treatment. Mm. The, per the woman I was with at the time, mm -hmm. who I love very much, uh, we were together for about a year and a half before we got into addiction. Wow. Um, she had gone into treatment. She had sought help. She mm. didn't leave. So mm. she was in treatment. She had got out of treatment. I was still on the street. She said, I want nothing to do with you. Mercy. I want nothing to do with you. Mm. If I come to see you, we'll both be high and drunk. And you know that. Mm. And I did know that. As much as it broke my heart, I mm. knew that. And that was the catalyst to get me to move my feet in the right direction. Mm. It was a woman I loved. It was a strong emotion still in my head. So that was the emotion that took me into recovery, that mm. loss of the love of my life. You know, so when I felt like I was losing her, I moved my feet into action. Now, that wasn't to say that I gained her back instantly because mm -hmm. that's not how it happened. That's not the story. Right. But at the end of the day, that moved me in the right direction. I sought the help. There was people to help me. Someone bought a flight for me to get help mm. at a treatment center. Someone paid my way. It was a very beautiful thing to happen. And these wow. are all relationships I built in early recovery. Mm. So I got the help I needed. I came out of that treatment center. It was difficult. There were difficult times. Yeah. I thought about using. I thought about drinking. Yeah. I pushed through. I cried myself to sleep on nights. There, it was the difficult times, you know. Mm. I had still lost the woman, uh, you know, the love of my life. Right. She was off doing her own thing. Now, eventually, I was told by, you know, I would say uh, elders in the program, you know, people right. that have 25 plus years in this in this recovery thing. Mm. They had told me be the, you know, become the man that she fell in love with, and that's. I remember yeah. that I became that again. I became a stronger man even mm. from when I had initially picked up drugs and alcohol again. Mm. So I became mm. that strong, even stronger man. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that in turn attracted her back to me. Mm. So I was never not the man that she loved. She mm. just knew she couldn't be with me in that state. So she came back into my life and now we have two beautiful children and everything wow. is, I mean, it's pretty much a happily ever after story. So, I mean, it, it, it happened in a beautiful way for me, and it can happen for other people like that. Mm. There's just a, you have to have, to do this, you have to have an extreme amount of grit and mental mm. fortitude to get this done. Because there are hard days ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, it does not get easier when you walk through the doors of a treatment center. Mm. It doesn't get easier when you walk out the door of the treatment center. Mm. Everyone thinks, oh, I got my cell phone back, I got my freedom. It's going to be simple. I'm feeling great. Mm. Well, life happens, and life is a very difficult thing. Yeah. Even today, I have my struggles, you know? Yeah. Um, life, life will beat you down if you mm. let it, obviously. So, you know, you have to have that fortitude, and it takes a lot of it to mm. break through this. But, like you said, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a, a tribe to raise up someone in recovery. So you That's where the tribe comes in. Exactly. Yeah. You have to find that wow. tribe. You have to find Powerful. your tribe, and you have to stick close to them. And let them heal you. Hmm. Let them walk you through the process. Exactly. Hold your hand if needed. Support you when you need that support. And, you know, having multiple people involved in that process, I'm, I'm thinking, is, is also very good. Because if, if one person can't help you, perhaps, then there will be somebody else there uh, for you whenever you need. And you'll always have someone there. Absolutely. Yeah.
that, that's that's great. Um, so a person that that is listening to this uh, that is to this, to this podcast that would probably want to help um, you and in, in, in what you do, what what can they do to help? What can they do to help uh, Tribe Intensive? Tribe or? Intensive. Well, what they can do is. Um, well, uh, support support the program in any way you can. So when you when you follow us on Facebook or Instagram or anything of that nature, when we post an event, come out to the event, support these addicts and alcoholics, come out, meet some of them, realize that they're in your communities mm. doing good mm. things. We're not running around stealing from stores and yeah. doing yeah. anything that you may think we're doing. Um, we, we are out there in the community. We're probably working side by side with you and we're doing very good mm. things. We're giving back to the community. And a lot of these people are starting nonprofits in the area. They're, they're mm. getting involved. They're, they're helping people in the community that they came to for recovery. So yeah. a lot of us are doing very good things and, and whatever way you can support, you can find it there. Um, there's nonprofits started all, all across this, uh, this town and and if you contact me directly I'll put you in contact with them they're very good programs you get involved with them and you help someone in recovery mm. it's a beautiful thing just try and get involved in any way right. possible how can they contact you directly uh, they can contact me directly through uh, the, the, the Facebook site so mm -hmm. tribe intensive FL that's tribe intensive Florida um, they can they can message that page directly it will come directly to me okay. or they can reach out to me directly 772-800-9929 that's my direct line Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And they can reach out. My phone's always on. I answer calls any time of the day, any time of the night. Mm. I mean, my my uh, fiance will say that that's a kind of an annoyance, but she understands it. <laughs> um, but yes, anyone can reach me any time of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely show your support. Definitely come out to the events um, for sure. And and of course, reach out if uh, you want to get involved in some way. Um, so if if you had the opportunity to speak directly to to the listeners I'd like to give you that opportunity now uh, what would you say oh man uh, if I could speak directly to the listeners it's first and foremost if you're struggling reach out if you're struggling with addiction alcoholism or you know someone that is struggling with this because there are a lot of us and you're not alone reach out there's just like me, like I said before, there's thousands of people ready to help, and they're good people. They are good, genuine people. I've met a lot of them. They're beautiful people. Call them. Reach out to them. If you don't know where to start with that, you can call me. You can reach out to uh, yeah. your local hospital. They'll have resources for you. Yeah. Reach out to them. They know where to put you in contact with to get you the help you need. Mm -hmm. That's first and foremost. Secondly, if you are struggling with a, your outlook on addicts and alcoholics yeah please i urge you to change that outlook try and meet someone in in addiction or alcoholism they are people trying to recover they are people doing good things great things even and yeah. and just try and get to know them because they are beautiful people they have beautiful stories stories of triumph over addiction, stories of how they got their kids back, how they fought and, yeah, yeah. and clawed their way back into life. I mean, these are just wonderful testaments to God's glory yeah. and, and everything yeah. that, that uh, is good in this world. So it's not just the guy in the gutter with the bag over the alcohol. It can be your son, your daughter, yeah. your cousin, your grandchildren. I urge you to be vigilant in, in, in spotting it and reaching out to someone that can help because there are many, many professionals that can help. Wow.
Wow, and that's that's powerful. Absolutely. When is your next event? Do you have an event coming up? Uh, we don't have an event planned right this minute, but I will be posting it on the Facebook as soon as possible, as soon as it uh, as it comes to fruition. But we will be planning an event soon. Okay, great. We'll be looking out for it, and we'll definitely Absolutely. promote it as and well. And there will be monthly events uh, after that. Usually, we have monthly events. COVID put a little bit of a damper on that, uh, as you can imagine. Um, but but we will be having another event shortly. Um, and stay tuned for that, please. Excellent. We'll do. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ken. Thank really you so much. appreciate your time. I appreciate you as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. This has been Jorge Coxach with Stories from PSL Florida. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to like to subscribe, and of course, to share it. We value your reviews. So if you have something that you would like others to know about the show, please write us a review and give us a rating according to however you feel impressed. Also, if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at contact at pslflorida.com. Looking forward to hearing from you and looking forward to once again joining you on our journey to get to know the people, the places, the movements, and the businesses in our town. Till next time, goodbye.